You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs bestowing life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Annie, we are now a smack dab in the middle of the Pascha season, aren't we? It's crazy. Well. Not even in the. Not even like, in the. It's like the glow from the how fire far, now. Are, are we closer? Are we, are we closer now to Pentecost than we are, we are to. You Easter? know what happens? It's like, it's like Ascension hits, right? Right. We're, we're like the gateway of Ascension and then. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just. Crazy. So we're Pretty more crazy. than we're more than in the heart, but we're still living in this in the bright light of the resurrection of Christ in this beautiful season in which we've been taking a look at the gospel of John. So, Annie, let's get everybody a uh, couple of biblical passages here for this Sunday. Yes. Yeah, so our gospel for this Sunday is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. The responsorial psalm is from Psalm 33. The first reading is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and the epistle, the first letter of St. Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. You ready to go to John? I am. All right, let's do it. Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God have faith also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, 
and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. All right, so kind of interesting because we've been spending all of our time at the very end of John in this Easter season, Father, and now we're in John chapter 14. So when is he saying this? Well, if you look, just um, just if you open your Bibles, John, John chapter 13, it says, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come um, to be to depart, depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas. And so you have in the gospel of John now, this, um, the, the, the mystical supper, the last supper, um, very much uh, in t- focus on two things, the washing of the feet and then Judas, right? There's, there's this very much a focus on both of these, uh, these things during the, the, during the, the um, what we call it in the East, the mystical supper. Okay. I like that. I like um, that yeah. um, but then notice that uh, verse 27, chapter 13, verse 27, then after the, uh, after the morsel, Satan entered into him, that's Judas, and Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly, verse 30. So after receiving the morsel, he immediately went out and it was night. Um, and when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified in him. God is glorified and so forth. And then begins what is customary called Jesus's, uh, high priestly prayer. And in which he, I, I like, uh, you know, this is, first of all, there's a very long, very long, uh, text in which Jesus is talking. There's a little bit of interaction, but as it develops, Jesus keeps talking. I mean, the guy all of a oh, sudden. Yeah. My Bible is all red for like several pages. Oh, you got one of those red Jesus Bibles, uh, yeah. red red words. Red yeah. letter. Yeah, red letter. Red, red letter. Yeah. It, well, you know, the way I like to, to think about this entire text is that when you have an important thing to, well, not an important thing to say, when you let, you're on your, your let's say you're in your deathbed. And your, your son comes to you, your oldest son, your oldest daughter, your kids gather around. You, you, you don't want to let that moment go. We experience this all the time, actually, in, in um, you know, on Christmas Day. Well, maybe I'm going to go ahead, the family, go, please go home. Everybody go. Home. No, no, but you know, you're, you're, nurture, you're nourishing or you're, 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 you're what, what's the word I'm looking for, Annie? You're savoring it. Savoring. Nurture. Yeah. You're savoring the moment. And so you keep talking and then the person walks a little bit down the driveway and you keep talking and they a little bit further down the driveway and you keep talking, you get to the car, you keep talking, they, they get in the car, they roll down the window. This is what you call the Irish goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. this is Jesus's Irish goodbye. And he won't stop. And it says he got up and he kept talking and he walked to the door and he kept talking, right? And that's the way I do believe that this text should be read. Now, we certainly have something to say in, from an exegetical standpoint. But I would say the most important thing is to allow Jesus to speak to us hmm. about the most important things, which is love, which is the sharing of our life. And all of Jesus's high priestly prayer, all of this discussion that happens from the moment of Judas leaving to the moment of the Jesus and the apostles going to the Kidron Valley in chapter 18, verse 1 is all about Jesus talking about giving his life to us and what that means. 
And if you read it in that way, kind of like your best friend just pouring out their heart to you, then I think you can make sense of it. Other than that, Jesus, he's repeating himself. He's turning around, saying it the other way, saying it this way, saying it the other way, saying it this way. But if you read it in that terms of, of uh, in, in terms that I think that's meant to be read there, imagine being there. Jesus knows what's coming. The apostles, in a sense, know what's coming. They, right? Was it, isn't Thomas? Is it, let's go up to Jerusalem that we can die with him? Yeah. They know what's coming. And uh, and so they they're 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 savoring this moment together, and uh, and we read it that way. I think that's that's uh, that's the best way to read it. But let's go ahead. I know there's a number of points here we need to cover. Yeah, because there's so much that he had to say here, Father. So yeah, let's dive into some of this. Um, yeah. First off, I mean, what is the significance of Jesus saying that there are are many dwelling places what does that mean um of, well he says bunch in of my beds up in heaven <laughs> he says in my father's house there's the first question yeah what is the father's house right what is the father's house Andy? where is the father's house well i would think that the apostles would have probably thought it was the temple thank you good so Am get I this right? idea you got we got we got to make sure we get our kind of dualistic floating around in heaven as fat cherubs you know falling on the clouds <laughs> out of our head because because remember the apostles are are still in their minds well yes they know that things are are bad and they're they're going to kill Jesus they probably understand things you know they're still looking remember one sitting at the right one sitting at the left right James mm -hmm. and John debating who's going to be in a place of glory they still have an idea of of um uh, of jesus's kingship of this earthly establishment i mean they just palm sunday just happened right mm -hmm. so so what exactly is going to transpire they're not sure but certainly as understanding of an earthly kingdom and 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 i think i think we tend as christians to kind of be like oh no 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 that's so short-sighted we're all going to heaven with jesus and we're all well, the book Revelation, Revelation says that the throne of God is going to descend and he's going to make his dwelling among us mm. in the new and the new. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Right. And the two shall become one. So this idea that we're kind of this this bodiless, this dislocated soul kind of out there, kind of blasted clouds, out yeah, yeah. Is, is 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 a bad bad understanding right what would what would the apostles have understood the father's house yeah the father's house um um i mean you go back to second samuel 7 right there's there's your key text second samuel 7 let's take a look you we don't go here enough even though this is probably one of the most if not the most important passage in the old testament second samuel 7 uh verse uh, 13 Samuel 7 verse 13 this is this is this is the Lord speaking to David and says it's about David's son okay um well verse 12 look at verse 12 when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever i will be his father and he shall be my son okay so here's the the idea right the house of god the house of our heavenly father 
is the temple in Jerusalem. Yes. And this is the fundamental problem that the Jews face. The, the time of the Babylonian exile, the presence of God, which was revealed in two ways to the Jews. First of all, the Ark of the Covenant, that which was closest to God, was taken by the prophet Jeremiah up to Mount Sinai, and it and 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 it was hid there um, by Jeremiah. You can take a look at Second Maccabees chapter two, verse one. Second Maccabees chapter two, verse one. On are you with me there? Annie, he's got to move. Let's go. Let's go. We're in the light of the resurrection. You got to be moving your body. I got to get moving. Is it before or after Amos? <laughs> Second Maccabees chapter two. Go ahead. <laughs> Verse one. One finds in the records that Jeremiah the prophet. Well, remember, Jeremiah the prophet writes Lamentations. Remember, Lamentations is all right. about Jerusalem. Jeremiah was taken off in exile. So before the exile and before Jerusalem was sacked, Jeremiah takes the Ark of the Covenant, ordered those who were being deported to take some of the fire as he had been told, and, and that the prophet, after giving them the law, instructed those who were being deported not to forget the commandments of the Lord, nor to be led astray in their thoughts upon seeing the gold and silver statues and their adornments. And with other similar words, he exhorted them that the law should not depart from them in their hearts. It was also in the writing of the prophets, having received an oracle, ordered that, that the tent and ark should follow him, and that he went out to the mountain where Moses had gone up and had seen the inheritance of God. And Jeremiah came and found a cave, and he brought there the tent and the ark and the altar of incense, and he sealed up the entrance, and some of those who followed him came up to mark the way, but could not find it. When Jeremiah learned of it, he rebuked them and declared, the place shall be unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy. So he hides the Ark of the Covenant. So the Holy of Holies is empty now. Then the worst happens, which is the glory cloud of God, which was the revelation of God's presence in the tent of meeting in the desert, but also mm -hmm. which filled the temple at the dedication of the temple when Solomon dedicated the temple. The presence of God departed from the, temp the temple and 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 went to the eastern side of the temple and, and then left and and then settled on the mount of olives on that hill east of jerusalem settles there i'm going to take a group of icc pilgrims in june we're going to stand in that spot right where the cool. glory cloud of god settled and then from there it departed and didn't return until until of course that which was stone in the Old Testament, these were simply foreshadowings, right? The, the glory cloud was a foreshadowing of the glory of God himself, who mm -hmm. is Jesus. And I'll tell you why it's Jesus in a second. And the Ark of the Covenant, which is the mother of God, as we see in the book right. of Revelation chapter 12, right? So, so Jesus, why is Jesus the glory of God? As I said, I think last week, St. Irenaeus says the glory of God is man fully alive. Well, you can't talk about a man be more fully alive than the one who is God himself in the flesh, in human nature, right? Jesus is the glory of God, which is why in John chapter one, John chapter one, verse 14, John chapter one, verse 14, and the word, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, hmm. the glory as of the only son of the father, right? Yeah. So he is the glory of God. 
himself. This is what John is talking about. So, so the, the temple of God is, is, is the house of God. It is in Jerusalem, but it is forsaken. It is empty. There's nothing there. In the Holy of Holies, it's like opening up your tabernacle in your Catholic church and Jesus is missing, right? Yeah. Right. It's gone, right? So has so, that ever uh, happened to you? So, <laughs> you actually, look like you were, that right. look yeah. was a little too you guys want, authentic. <laughs> you guys want to have a comedy. We'll have a comedy moment with Father Hezekiah. I is thank God it was for my son. I was making a sick call to my own home because my son was sick. I brought him Holy Communion. I opened my what we call a Pix or the yeah. what do you call the the Yeah, we call it a Pix. We call it yeah. a Pix. Okay. Um I opened the Pix and I had taken the empty picks instead of the one I had placed the Eucharist in. So oh, no. I had done all the prayers. I like turning to my son to give him communion. And son, could you just hold that thought for a moment? I'll be back in about 15 minutes. I'm going to run to the church. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I hope you guys all a little insight into Father Hezekiah's life. That's awesome. Um, but uh, but there it is, the house of God. And then, and so, so then I'm going to ask you the next question. If that's the house of God, then... Um, then how is it that Jesus uh, is going to prepare? Then there's many dwelling places. So I'm going to ask you again, what is the house of God? Because it's not the temple of Jerusalem if God's not there. Because yeah. God is the one that makes it his home. Yes? And if he's not there, then it ain't anymore. It's the temple that was the house of God. But now what is the house of God, Annie? The, church. What is the dwelling place of God. Now, don't go all, you know, catechism of the Catholic Church on me. You're going, you know, to, you know. All right, I'm going too high. Um, it's Jesus. Re destroy this temple I will rebuild it in three days. Jesus, oh, the house course. of God. And why is Jesus the house of God? Because I he feel like such a dope. The Ugh. glory of God dwelling yeah. in him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, but but this is not the end of the story, nor the end of my questioning of you. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. Although I am technically right, right? Because the church is the body of Christ. Well, so... because that's where we need to go. Because Jesus is going to say in, in, in John chapter 4, in John chapter 4 to the Samaritan woman, um, uh, in verse um, 21, John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Whether when neither on this mountain, mm -hmm. right, of the Samaritans, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not, we worship what we know, for salvation comes from the Jews. But the hour is coming now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says to me, right? He is the embodiment of the worship of God because he, in human nature, never leaves his communion with the father. We say a beautiful prayer at the beginning of the divine liturgy in the Byzantine church, being God, you are present in the tomb by your body and yet in Hades by your soul and paradise with a thief and on the throne, O Christ God, with the father and the Holy spirit, filling all things that encompassed by none. He never left the side of the father. He never is not because he became incarnate does not mean somehow God was separated from God and not possible. And so in his human nature, he loves, which is what worship is. He loves the Father fully. He is the temple of God in which, in which proper worship is offered. Now, we got to get one step further because Jesus says he's going to go and prepare a place. 
for us. Well, where is he going? What's he doing? He's, he's talking about, he's ultimately talking about his ascension in which he is going to then at Pentecost pour out his life to us who are going to become the dwelling place of God. Yes? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I hope you're enjoying this Bible study as much as I, I am. Very First much Corinthians enjoying chapter this. Chapter 6, verse, verse 19. Are you with me? 1 Corinthians yeah, chapter 6, right verse here. 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit hmm. within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Hmm. See that? Okay. So, so let, now let's, 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 now having done this, this, this uh, adventure through the scriptures, let's go back and read what Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. As give yourself totally to me. Okay. That's what faith is, is the giving over of our, of our whole self. Yeah. Our, our intellect, our will, placing it in the, in the hands of the Lord. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, I would not have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. What's he preparing? I mean, it's, it's, we're about to see the preparation of man in all of his glory. It was seen here, and it says, right? Because when Jesus rises from the dead, he does know not for himself, but that we might receive the gift of eternal life within us he's going to breathe into us he's going to send his holy spirit upon us so that the temple of god is not in jerusalem or on mount gerizim with the samaritans it's going to be throughout the whole world yes it is going to be universal it's going to be a catholic temple a catholic uh, a gathering yes in which the worship of god is taking place everywhere that's his plan. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples before he goes to his passion. Have faith in what is coming because what I'm about to do for you is going to be completely beyond what you could ever have imagined. You look at that temple over there. Yes. Mm -hmm. See that thing? A hunk of junk built by Herod. She was pretty glorious, but that's so nothing. Yeah. And what Jesus is going to do, because what was built out of stone over there, what was written on stone back there, is going to be enfleshed now. The Ark of the Covenant is going to be enfleshed now. The temple built out of stone is going to be made out of living stones now. And you, all of you, new catechumens, Catholics, that's just what you are when you walk out into the world. This gift, the presence of God, in which the worship of God happens in every action in which we engage, by which we place ourselves in the hands of God and never break communion with him, giving ourselves to him as he's given himself to us. Now, we, I'm sure you have other questions about this text. Well, this makes a whole lot more sense what he says later about being the vine and the branches, just a little bit later in the, in the uh, text. I mean, not what we read here this weekend but um absolutely yes yes 100 percent. anybody i got to give you saint augustine before i move on because i'm going to quote it for you here oh sure okay. great right. listen listen to this. This, this is this is a gem he in a certain sense is preparing the dwelling by is preparing dwellings by preparing for them the dwellers as for instance when he says in my father's house are many dwellings what else can we suppose the house of god to mean but the temple of god 
And, and, what the, and what that is, asked the apostle, he will reply, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. There he is quoting what we just said, right? First Corinthians. Mm -hmm. This is also the kingdom of God, that the Son is yet to deliver up to the Father. For it is to this kingdom, standing then at the right hand, that it shall be said in the end, come, you blessed of my fathers, receive the kingdom. We've talked about this. The kingdom of God, right, is, this, is the communion of the saints. Right. In other words, you who, who were the kingdom, but without the power to rule, come and reign so that what you formerly were only in hope, you may now have the power to be in reality. This house of God, therefore, this temple of God. Now, now watch what he brings together. This is what I love. Because we always think about these so many different things. Now he's going to say they're all one. This house of God, this temple of God, this kingdom of God. And kingdom of heaven is as yet in the process of building, of construction, of preparation, of assembly. There will be dwellings in it even as the Lord is now preparing them. There are, in fact, such dwellings already even as the Lord has already ordained them. Okay? Wow. So uh, how beautiful is what the Lord is going to do for us, what the Lord is going to give us. Um, and uh, there you have it. I mean, I guess I, I should be kind to the apostles because I'm sure if I were in this moment, I probably wouldn't understand Jesus either. <laughs> but he is speaking in a rather, in maybe for us a vague way, but they're struggling with it. And I think the key to their struggle is, is, is given to, especially in the gospel of John. We talked about last week, how there's these divisions in the gospel between those who think they know, mm -hmm. those who perceive the miracle as a miracle and those who actually come to faith yeah and, and then like is the gospel staying with them right as you you've talked about those who remain with them exactly yeah. and as the gospel develops jesus is doing miracles and then and then they start to they start to be unable to even perceive the miracle mm -hmm. um as happens in the multiplication of the loaves of fishes and then the and then the and then John six with the um, with the uh, discourse on the on on the Eucharist, right? In which they say, "Show us a sign," right? In John six, they say, show us yeah. a sign. Well, they, he just multiplied those of fishes. They, they they missed the miracle, right? They they became so blinded that they weren't able to actually see what was taking place, and that gets even worse with the blind man and so forth, like that, right? Um, um, but but notice what happens here. Um, Jesus says, the father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe because the works themselves. Now there's the division, right? You probably have other questions about what he's talking about works, but, but, but this is so important in the gospel of John. Those who, um, who, who believe in the Lord right, and trust themselves totally to him, they believe themselves to him. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Or else, if you can't graduate by this point in the gospel to who I am, at least, at least believe because of the works that I've done. Yeah? Because the works were meant to bring the person to, to faith in, in, in the Lord, right? And so there you have it right there. Um, and then he's going to give us the goods on the greatest work of all.
Yeah. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the father. I mean, Jesus, what he just raised Lazarus from the dead, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what does he mean that those who believe in him will do greater things? I haven't raised anybody from the dead. Last I checked. Yes, you have, Annie. Yes, you have. Go back to um, the Gospel of Matthew. I wasn't planning on saying anything about this, but we might as well go do it. And uh, you got it with me, Matthew chapter nine, verse one. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And, the, and behold, he brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven." And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, "This man is blaspheming." But the Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said. Why do you think evil odds in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say them rise and and walk. But he said that you may know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Now, my brothers and sisters, let me ask you, what is a greater thing to do than to forgive a man's sins or to make a paralytic rise up and walk? Jesus says it's forgive a man's sins. I'm going to believe Jesus on that one. Yeah, I mean, your, your body's one thing, your soul's another. Do you yeah. give resurrection to the soul? You give resurrection to the soul, the body's going to follow suit, you know? But 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 to just heal a man in his body, I mean, gee whiz, I mean, really, let's be honest with you, maybe not miracles, but, you know, the medical, you know, establishment, you know, they do pretty cool things with the body. Yeah. It can bring about healing. Of course, it's the Lord who's healing, but nevertheless, Jesus's physical uh, miracles were about more than the physical miracle, right? It was, about, it was about allowing the person to see the Lord for who he is, to walk with the Lord in his heart. So the, the, the physical healing, the, the, the raising of Lazarus. Now, I'm not going to downplay the raising of Lazarus. No, you haven't ever taken somebody, grabbed their dead body, and the body rose from the dead, Annie, but you know what you do? Through your ministry on the radio with the Sunrise Morning Show, with your ministry and your work through the Institute of Catholic Culture, you know, we were just we just received um, just before um, Pascha, just before Easter, um, gentleman, his, I'll leave his last name off, but his name is John. It's really his name. He's been a longtime supporter of the ICC, and he wrote a note. Nine years he's been with us. Wow. And I didn't. No, or at least maybe I forgot. Sorry, John, but I thought he was Catholic the whole time. I mean, the guy's a very generous supporter of the ICC. Wow. And um, has been with us faithfully through the years supporting our mission. We just wrote us an email and he's, and we, we shared it and we shared it in one of the, uh, our pregame discussions in which he said, he said, I'm, I'm preparing to enter the church this year at, at Easter. So he's just, he's a new, newly new, new Catholic. And, um, and John said uh, that he was eight, he, he was eight, that his pastor um, didn't make him go through RCIA because wow. he says, he says, because all the scriptural questions they had and all the doctrinal teachings of the church that he needed to know, he mm. already knew he tested out. That's awesome. And he tested out of our CIA, he said, large part due to the Institute of Catholic Culture. Well, my brothers and sisters, awesome. those teachings of the truth are life-giving teachings, like yeah. in the life of John, 
life-giving teachings. Yeah, and life not just for the body, but for the soul. We're in the ministry of raising people from the dead. The well, physical- you know what I was just thinking? Even greater than anything that you just said, bringing my children to be baptized. There you go. Yes. It's beautiful. So this is the ministry which, which we're given as Christians. Listen to St. Augustine. And so he promised that he himself would also do those great works. Do not let the servant exalt himself above his Lord or the disciple above his master. He says that they will do greater works than he does himself, but it is all by his doing such works in and or by them and not as if they did them themselves. And so we have the, the song that is addressed to him. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. But what then are those greater works? Was it that their very shadow as they themselves passed by that healed the sick? For it was it will, for it is a mightier thing for a shadow than the hem of the garment to possess the power of healing. The one work was done by Christ himself, the other by them. And yet it was he that did both. Yeah, what is that greater work? It is the love of God manifest in our life. And then given to others so that now man might do what God has done, mm. which is the revelation of the glory of God himself, who is love. Yeah. So when Jesus talks about the greater work you guys are going to do, that the apostles are going to do, and that we are going to do, it's, he speaks truly and beautifully about the greatest truth of all. And that is the mystery of God, who is love. Mm. That's what St. Augustine says. And I think he's right. You've convinced me. There you go. It's not me convincing you. It's Jesus said it. So you better, li you better listen to Jesus. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. We're, well, let's we're, take a uh, look we're running out of time, Annie. I know it. I know it. Let's take a look uh, quickly at the responsorial Psalm 33. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Mm. You know, as, as, as Pope Francis said, um, uh, mercy is love in action. Love and I love this. I, I really mercy is love in action. Is it is it mercy is love, right? Yeah. It is the recognition of the other in their need, and then the giving of my life for the sake of the other that they might live. Yeah, mm -hmm. Lord, let your mercy be upon us, toward us. Yeah, but as we place our trust, as we entrust ourselves to you, but my brothers and sisters, you sing this, you confess something here. Because if, if you're going to entrust yourself to the Lord, is mercy me upon you, then that mercy, that love is not something simply received. It's given because by its very nature, it's, 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 a, it's a giving. Yes. So you can't be sitting there as a couch potato Christian. You got to give of yourselves as the Lord has given to you. A pouring out of the life is the life of the Christian. That's why time, talent, and treasure is the mark. Because it's this movement outward to give of ourselves. So new Christian, new Catholics have come into the church. And all of those who, who, who stand with them, newly renewed in the light of the resurrection, it is now this life-giving love which we have received to become members of not a temple built out of stone, but the living temple of God in which the true worship of God takes place and the love of God pours out of that temple to all those who gather there. And I think this is a quite a beautiful bridge 
I might say yes, so. I was going to say, which is exactly what the early church needs to learn in uh, yes. Acts chapter 6, I believe. There we go. Yes, it is. And the epistle is given to us in First Peter. But let's go. Acts chapter 6. Absolutely. We're going to go fasting. All right. Here we go. As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men filled with the spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community. So they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. How about that, Father Hezekiah? Imagine that. Priests <laughs> that believe in God? Who knew? <laughs> it should be nice. It's the resurrection. Let's be nice. I know. I'm kidding. It was just too good. It was just too good. I couldn't, I could not resist. So what has been happening in the book of Acts uh, leading up to this passage? All right. Um, um, oh, basically, um, they... Uh, the, the the apostles have gotten themselves in a little bit of hot water. <laughs> they've been uh they've uh we 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 heard in chapter well we go back to always to chapter two, yes mm -hmm. is Pentecost, yeah. um then uh, in chapter three the um Peter and and uh, John go into the temple of course there's the the healing that takes place in chapter um in chapter four verse thirteen they end up you know, basically everything they feared starts to happen. They get a, kind of arrested or at least detained. Uh, chapter four, verse uh, 23, when they were released. Okay. And so they've been preaching. Um, they've been preaching, but uh, verse seven, there it is, chapter five, verse 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles. Okay. Um, and so this is, this is kind of what's been going on here. They've been preaching the word of God without fear, but now things start to mm, become a bit difficult. Okay. But they have no fear about being arrested, of course. And then chapter six, now we have um, this community, which we've been told is sharing all things in common. They're praying together, they're meditating on the apostles, teachings and so forth. And then um we know also that the community is quite large in Jerusalem. Don't think about this little beautiful little, you know, burlap wearing, uh, Birkenstock shoe walking, dope smoking group of hippies in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is upended. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, 3,000 people in one day. Do you think it stopped the next day, like the, the faucet turned off? Yeah. No, because those three people went home and they told their brothers or sisters or cousins, because I know these people, they're my members of my community, parishioners. I have people in my community from Bethlehem, from, from Jerusalem, Nazareth, that whole area. 
these people talk, okay? And, and, and when there's something exciting going on, they go to it. They're not, they don't miss out. Okay. Yeah. And when I, I, you know, you have a party out here. Seriously, I have five, 600 people show up for dinner. We wow. have so many people, you can't fit them into their yard, let alone our church. And when they know something's going on, they go to it. And I'm telling you right now, 3,000 people baptized in one day, they know what's going on. So you got to imagine Jerusalem has just been upended. And, and now you got the biggest news of all. And this is, this is, um, absolutely groundbreaking uh for us that um that uh, that um a large group of priests not oh you know father frank and father joe kind of flipped out a large group of priests were becoming obedient to faith when you say large i mean are we talking like the majority it sounds like a lot. Yeah. So the conversion of, Ju of Jerusalem takes place uh, here in these early chapters of Acts of the Apostles. And among these people that convert are, of course, all those people we saw in Pentecost coming from all over the world. These are the people that were part of the, they had, they had been converted through the diaspora, through the, the Jews that had gone and brought word of the faith to others and now they're coming back they're people that have heard about what's going on in jerusalem they were converts yeah and so they're just like any family there's problems right um and so we are introduced these people the hellenists these are the greek speakers yeah okay um the hellenic jews if you will the, they're 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 greeks who are converts to judaism Hmm. um and of course they realize that what the apostles are saying makes a lot of sense hmm. and so now they are not only converts to judaism but they're converts to judaism because they accept the messiah right you don't have to convert from judaism you are you just the king came you expected the messiah he's here he came yes and he rose from the dead yes i accept all of that right um, and so that's who they are, the Hellenists. But but of course, then there's the Jews who are the who are by blood. Mm -hmm. And of course, in any family, it happens. It happens right here in my church. There's Americans that come, and then there's the Jordanians, and then over that table is the Iraqis, and it's a, maybe the family doesn't get along all the time as best as they could it's my job as pastor to bring them together yeah and that's what the apostles are doing they're bringing them together um now i want you to notice something though the jews read it again the the um the uh because the hellenists complain why because the hebrews because of their widows were neglected in the daily distribution in the sharing of the food and sharing of all things in common their widows are neglected so the 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 women widows uh, that are greek of in in, uh, in in blood are being neglected by the jews who were following the way yeah and so now what do the apostles do they appoint men but who are these guys they appoint Andy, to serve the hellenists to serve the greeks well they're greeks look at their names yeah philip prochorus nicanor timon 
Parmenas. I can't think of a more more Greek names. <laughs> they they make deacons out of the Greeks, right? So that they can ensure that the widows are served. Yeah. Smart. I wanted yeah. to, yeah, very smart. Um, I wanted to ask about, you know, this division of labor that the apostles sort of create here, so to speak. I mean, like, why didn't the apostles just do this themselves? Well, the answer is given to us. Yeah. In verse verse four, um, uh, it is so the 12 came together and the community of the disciples said, it is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from your own seven, seven reputable men filled with the spirit and wisdom, right? Um, and who are the brothers? The Hellenists, right? Because they're the ones complaining. They say, well, okay, select from your group of guys, what guys you trust, and they'll serve at table. So these are the first the servers, they're the servants, right? The words is servant or serve server in Greek is deacon. And the deacon is meant to serve because there's different needs in the body of Christ. I think this is an important moment to stop because oftentimes, I think in our more affluent communities that don't have as much need, if you will, we have a tendency to be like, okay, a vibrant church is one that has a strong outreach to the homeless, you know? or whatever the case may be. Well, that's nice. It's good. I'm not saying anything bad about it. But do you, have a, do you have a strong outreach to your community? Do you have a strong outreach to those that gather together, the church of God? Because that's, that's really the, the, the recipe we're given. Because that's who you share most in common with. The needy out there, that's good. Yes. But you know what they need? More than the food is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they can come to be fed with the bread of life. And having been fed with the bread of life, yes, the nourishment of the body comes. Yeah. I'm not saying we don't have to feed them. You say, oh, Father, you got it backwards. You got to feed the body so we feed this. Okay, fine. Yes. Yeah. But I think in too many places, our, our communities are not really communities. They're not really together serving one another, caring for the widows um and uh and 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 so forth and 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 taking care of the children and taking care of the elderly and things like that and that's the kind of image we're given here in uh in, in acts of the apostles um and so we have the deacons serving at table and then maybe that's another good question for you for the deacons that are listening to this so i know we have a lot of deacons that participate in our Sunday gospel reflection so as you get ready for homilies that they might give well, I have no problem with you giving a homily if your priest blesses you and your bishop blesses you to do so, because Stephen, in his first act, gave a homily, right? And they killed him for one, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, it's, it's possible for Dean to give a homily. Okay, fine. But that's not your primary job. Nor is your primary job to put on vestments and say the mass is ended. Your primary job is to serve at table. You know, but the table is the altar of God. And yes, I understand that. I'm not saying that you can shouldn't serve in the liturgy. But if the table is neglected, and I mean the table in the hall is not being taken care of, get out there and take care of it so that the priest can do his job. And he makes sure that the rest of the community is doing his job so that all the parts of the community, we don't have just one thing going on in our church, but the whole thing. You get out there and fill that coffee maker. Wheel it out to the front of the church and make sure people stop and start forming a community 
over which you're supposed to be serving and then pick up a trash can. When I tell people, I have young men that come to me that say, hey, I'm interested in maybe serving the church. I say, great, great, great. I walk, I come take a walk with me. I walk them around our property. So we have this kind of like piece of this, this driveway that kind of circles around at the very end over there in the corner of our property is the dumpster. So I listen to them as we walk around the property slowly about their desire to serve. It's very beautiful. I thought, you know, okay, Frank, okay, Brian, that sounds really good. And I bring them up. And they don't know what I'm doing. I walk them up to the dumpster. We stop. We sit there and talk. I say, okay, great. I think maybe, yeah, maybe you do have a vocation. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I believe that vocations start in the dumpster. So I want to see you start serving picking up the trash around the property at the end uh, after everybody's done with their coffee social on Sundays I want you I want to see you be the one wheeling the coffee maker in I want to see you carrying the trash can I want to see you washing the tables and having learned how to be a deacon you'll be blessed then as a deacon but apart from that no not going to happen because that's what the apostles assigned and we need to restore the diaconate in our churches to what they're meant to be. And we have many, by the way, many beautiful deacons that do serve beautifully, going to visit the sick, visit the poor, visit the widows, do all of those things. Also, set the table, yeah? And, wow. uh, and, uh, and we'll have this beautiful image that we're given in the church in Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, because, I mean, the apostles are like, look, our job is to, vote our, to devote ourselves to, to prayer and, and to the ministry of the word. Yeah, yeah. It's not uncommon on Sunday morning. I'm running around with a chicken, my head cut off, sweating, like really literally sweating, taking out the trash, cleaning the tables, and 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 I need help. Your priest needs help. So get over there on Sunday morning, get the church cleaned up, make sure the whole place is ready to go. After mass on Sunday, walk around. I see people walk around in the pews picking up the picking up flyer, the bulletins are left. That's a beautiful service. You find yourself doing that. You find yourself. You know, taking people home that are maybe need a ride, things like that. Go talk to your priest about being a deacon. That's the kind of guys the church needs. All right. Shall we look at the epistle? Well, can we just say one last thing about the about these guys, the fight going on? Oh yeah. There's yeah. A fight. Talk about that. St. John Chrysostom says behold another trial observe how from within and from without there are warrings from the very first did jesus say not say that there would be weeds among the wheat yeah and i said this i think last week don't be surprised when you got heretics who are bishops mm -hmm. don't be surprised even when the, the highest of the hierarchy seem to be promoting things contrary to the faith did peter not Deny the Lord three times. Don't be surprised when Father Hezekiah is a sinner. The church is a hospital. Don't be scandalized. New Catholics, don't be scandalized by that. Jesus is working at the salvation of the world, is bringing healing, which means the people are sick. It's a mark of the church that there's weeds among the wheat, not the opposite. So my Jehovah's Witnesses, people knocking on my door on Saturday morning, out the door i don't need to be told that the church is already paradise it's against the gospel it will be paradise it will be paradise because the lord's working in our midst but it, but if but at this time there are weeds among the wheat because it's this is what jesus told us there would be yes i'm sorry i got my face got red i got very excited with the jehovah's witnesses out the door 
Okay. What do we got, Annie? We got to be done here. First Peter 2, 4. This is, you can't skip this. This no, is the, this is the so best. Good. Go yeah. read it fast. Go. All right, first here Peter, we go. Chapter two, verse, verse four. Okay. Beloved, come to him, a living stone rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith, but for those without faith, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word as is their destiny. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness mm. into his wonderful You see that? Life. You've been given the light of the Lord, and this is so beautiful, because now we know the way to walk. We talked to this last week, right? Jesus gave us the way. He told us how to get there. He gave us the path. We don't need to stumble now because we're not in darkness anymore. We know what is required of our life to enter into the kingdom. Yeah, and those that reject the word do not know, and therefore they're found in darkness and they stumble. Yes, and 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 then and then, but let's. Well, two things. Well, I'm going to come back to this. The first one, then go to the earlier one, which is the stones. Right, Jesus is the rock of faith. Jesus is the foundation stone of the church. It is Jesus upon which the church is built, and a Jesus upon whom we place our faith. And when we place our faith in him and on him, then we become like him, in him and through him and with him, that we might live as he lives and be ourselves foundation stones. Yes, isn't this how a house is built? A stone is set upon that foundation and then another stone is placed on that. My brothers and sisters, you are foundation stones. And I ask you, Who's building their house on top of you? Are you living stones of God in which the temple of the Lord is established? In your homes, in your workplaces, in your churches, are you a rock of faith upon which others are resting? Yes, this is what we're called to be. Yeah, newly baptized, you've been placed kind of on the top of the wall. Yeah? Pretty soon, others need to start building on top of you. And you that have been Catholics for been 10 years, 20 years, your whole life, I ask you, who's standing on your shoulders now? Are you in your, in your churches teaching RCIA, teaching Sunday school? Are you forming your outreach committee to the, to the widows? Are you serving as deacons within you? What is your place in the body of Christ? Because God has given you a gift. And if you're not give, using that gift to the glory of God, to the service of the body of Christ, and we are suffering, we're starving for it. Let that light shine out and announce the praises he says of him this is your this is this is what we do we announce the resurrection of christ we should be going i'm serious about this don't be saying hi to people today 
No, you walk into a store, you meet your neighbor, you walk into your home. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. What? I love this during the Easter season, especially right, right near Easter. Because, it, because at least for a few days, the world will still say happy Easter for the first. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say happy Easter. And they'll say happy Easter. And I'll say Christ is risen. Because they've already agreed with me, right? About yeah. Easter, right? Yeah, Christ absolutely. is risen. And say, what? Yeah. And I just got to say, I've been like on, you know, video with Father Hezekiah when he gets a phone call and he answers it and he's like, hello, Christ is risen. That's really what you got to do right now. Like Christ that. is you announce the praises of the Lord, what he's done in your life. Be a witness to the Lord in your life and others will come and be established as living stones on you and be built into the house of God. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.